Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship more accessible by sharing down-to-earth horse training advice, practical tips, and examples from our own experiences as up-and-coming trainers. If you'd like your horsemanship questions answered on the podcast, hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Horses. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke, and we've got a couple topics we're going to break down today. In our Advanced Horsemanship 101 segment further on in the podcast, we're going to talk about backing circles and backing angles and why we think that those types of backing exercises are an important part, especially in a young horse's development and why we do them with our colts and why we think they're valuable uh, whereas, you know, some trainers don't want to approach those types of subject, especially with young horses, we're more inclined to introduce that stuff earlier on than others might want to. So we're going to talk about why we do that and what benefits we see in that. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about another subject we've gotten a lot of questions on recently, which is lead departures in the context of uh, developing young horses yet again. So we're not talking about show horses. We're not talking about the refinement stage. We're talking about when you when you have a green horse, I guess, first of all, we could talk about when we start to be conscious of a horse's leads, because there's other things when we're initially starting a horse under saddle that we're going to be worried about. We're doing a lot of cruising, passenger lesson, getting that colt moved out, um, just getting some basic control established and building confidence at the lope. Um but we have other things on our, so we have other things on our plate. We're not going to worry about leads initially. And, uh, but at a certain point, you start needing to become conscious and aware of, of the horse's leads and, and, uh, start getting some control there as well. Yeah. I would say that, you know, no sooner than four weeks into the training, should you even remotely address, uh, just what lead, you know, what cueing the horse and getting the horse to understand this cue means this lead, this cue means that lead. Um, and probably around more of the six week mark as a general rule, I would say for most horses, you know, four weeks in, you've got like a, a potential, you know, champion on your hands, just a supreme, uh, masterpiece of athleticism and good <laughs> mind, you know? Um, but I'd say about the six week, four to six weeks, somewhere in that window is a, probably a healthy place to start being aware being aware of the leads, yeah. not making an issue of it and drilling because you don't have the body control established right now and the buttons, the tools to do much of anything anyways. And it's kind of a word of warning. We see this all the time. A lot of people who get really conscious with uh, a horse taking up a, a lead early in their, like super early into the training, like a two-year-old, like a couple weeks into it, they're always like micromanaging the horse and into their face and always telling them what to do all the time. And they completely ignore the phase of just let it go. Get this horse comfortable on a loose range, moving out, being confident and just broke first. But they're, they start right away, steering it around, pulling it around, always in its face, always telling it what to do. So the horse has very little foundation and it just sets them up for disaster later on because then they end up with like a 
a three-year-old that's had a year of training and you can't turn it loose and lope it off without it, you know, building speed and running off. Exactly. You know, they, they don't worry enough about just get, it's like, it's like people get tunnel vision when they start to work on things like lead departures and lead changes and stops and they forget about everything else and they just drill on that one thing. So let other things like, you know, trust the process, you know, yeah, to use that cliche yes. from uh, professional sports. Exactly. Like let the things, the tools that you're implementing develop yeah, so that you can use them. And, you know, as your horse gets more broke and the more buttons, the horse becomes more like just naturally through the process of that training, they become more aware of their body and more coordinated and it becomes easier to, to do such things as, as taking, as, you know, getting a lead departure, like it's almost second nature in a way. So let, let the training kind of take care of some of that for you. Don't yeah. get too obsessed too early. I guess it's more helpful to think about it in terms of stages, like early on, uh, kind of in the time frame that we talked about, you know, four to six weeks in, we need to start getting the basic concept across of, you know, I, I cue you with my right leg, you take up the left lead, vice versa. But we're not really worried about frame, driving the horse up into the bridle, any sort of no, refinement. No. But we're just after a basic understanding of, you know, I cue you this way, you take up this lead, etc. Um, and there's no reason why the horse can't start learning that at that stage of the game. Um, and there's different philosophies of how you start that process and how you teach it. Personally, we've both gone through a little bit of evolution in terms of how we think both about lead changes and teaching lead departures because um, the the way we both initially learned about lead departures involves a lot of yielding the hindquarters and then you kind of you kind of bind the horse up right there, get his hips moving around, and then sort of squirt out of there in in you know kind of make him flip into that lead or sort of kick him into it. Um, and there's other methods, you know, that take a little bit more subtle approach or just kind of, you know, go straight cowboy and just kind of kick them into it and not really worry about it as a even a drill, really, or, or a specific exercise. And I guess like lead changes, we've kind of fallen a little bit in the middle. We're not as sold anymore on really breaking a horse down, moving their hips around and and creating a lot of moving parts because it seems to kind of create some anxiety in a horse and not really build their confidence, which kind of leads to air, you know, it, it leads to problems down the line. I feel like, right. Yeah. I think, you know, the first way that I learned to, to teach a horse how to get their, their correct lead was to yield their hindquarters around, bend their head, let's say to the right, and then yield the horse's hindquarters off my right leg. And this was in preparation for taking up a left lead. So I'd yield his hindquarters around, get his, get his feet hustling, and then quickly drop the inside rein, the right rein, tip his nose left, and yeah, here we go. You know, yep. and get him going and, and basically surprise him into that lead departure. And also along the lines of the yield the hindquarters, something we discussed earlier in the podcast was yielding the hindquarters on a straight line where you're engaging the hip like setting the horse up for a lead departure, like putting their body in the right position, something we discussed uh, in you know the prelude to a lead change. Um, and that that's later on down the line. That's more of a refinement stage, and so that's not something you're going to address here. But going back to yielding the hindquarters around in a circle really fast and then turning them loose and getting going, that just surprises them into it, and the horse never really learns 
what happened there. Like well, it was all, me- it was mechanical and manufactured. And like you talked about, it's, it's like you're kind of jumping them into it in a way that doesn't really teach. It, it doesn't really build their confidence with it. It's like it, it always, and when I stopped and thought about it this way, it made total sense. It's like you go from yielding the hindquarters around on like an arc or a 360, basically from, from more or less a standstill to then boom, lope off, open the door and kick him into it. It's like, you know, the analogy gets used all the time of the, of disengaging the hindquarters, because that's effectively what you're doing. You're disengaging the hindquarters. That's analogous to pushing the clutch in on a car. So teaching lead departures that way is like popping the clutch, like getting the car revved up, keeping the clutch pushed in, and then boom, you drop the clutch and it jumps the, you know, it jumps out into there. Um, and it's just, like you said, it's, it just creates a situation where, you can build anxiety that you you didn't have to. Well, yeah, no. you just create a lot of braciness that you then have to work out. You know, braciness as in like fractious um, feeling um, in the horse that you then have to work out through out of later on in the training. And the horse also really you almost kind of cheat him into it. Like the horse doesn't quite understand what's going on. More so, you just kind of cheated the system and you know, thumped him into it and he just kind of found it and he's there, but he doesn't know why. Yeah. Where I think, you know, the approach that, that we learned when we got to go and learn kind of a more of approach that centered around long-term like show horse refinement type stuff was just to take it to its simplest form. And this, I mean, this sounds like common sense, but um, you know, obviously we learned a lot of different ways to do it. And, and after learning this, we're like, geez, this, this seems like, you know, what you should do, everyone should know this, but, you know, we were completely oblivious to it until we were actually shown this, and it's just as simple as using left circle, left lead, right circle, right lead. Use the arc, the curvature of that circle to shape the horse for you, and let that, let use that to help the horse find that lead, and just take up that lead on their own. So, it's like the horse's idea to take up that lead, because using the curvature of that circle, it's the most comfortable. Now, troubleshooting that, because we'll get questions about, well, I do that, but the horse just wants to race around in a tighter circle, say, to the left. If I'm trying to pick up the left lead and and uh, on the left circle, he just really, you know, almost tries to spin around in a way. And in those cases, because, again, we don't have the body control, just use your outside rein to stand the horse back up, like draw it out toward the side to stand the horse up. And they say, well, you know, when I do that, then, you know, he'll lope off, but he picks up the wrong lead again. Well, it's it's just a process. You want the horse to find it. So you're not going to try and, this happens now, get into the lead. You know, break the horse back down. You should have the buttons to be able to bend the horse around your inside leg to, you know, break him down from the lope to the jog. So break him down to the jog and try it again. It's a matter of set him up, use the arc of your circle. If you need to use that outside rein to stand him up from dumping his shoulder to the inside and racing around in a tight circle and let him find, like if he jogs five, 10 strides to get into lope, I'm fine with that. That's the least of your worries right now. You've been training the horse for six weeks. He doesn't need to lope off in one stride. That's the least of your worries. Let him find it. So it's his idea to find it. And then once he basically falls into that lead, then you can spiral out of it onto your straight line. Yep. 
But the fact that if he misses the lead, even using that, that's normal. The horse doesn't understand what to do right now. And naturally, especially if he's really comfortable using one lead in particular, not like he's going to just give it up in one go. You know, use a little bit of feel there and some common sense and break him back down to a jog, set him up again. Break him down, set him up again. And eventually, he'll fall into it like you want and then spiral him out of it and back onto your straight line and keep him loping. Yeah. I think it's really, this is an area especially this early on in a young horse's development where it's it's an area that it's really beneficial, especially long-term, to keep things relaxed and really simple like that. And I know we never used to think about it that way, and, and we would really, you know, get in the horse's hind quarters and, and really add a lot of moving parts and, as you put it, make it very mechanical. And this is an area where keeping things really simple and kind of low-key and thinking about it as a process of building confidence um, it really, really pays dividends. You're just literally setting the horse up on an arc. If they miss the lead, which they're inevitably going to in the, in the learning stages, just break them back down, bend them around, set them up again, instead of doing the, uh, the thump and jump <laughs> routine right. of kicking them into it and being really demanding all of a sudden, uh, where the horse had no prior experience and no confidence picking up leads. You never worried about, about it before. It's a little bit unfair to suddenly be really all up in their business, being really super demanding and really getting in their face and, and getting into them with your legs. Um, that's just going to break their confidence in, at this early stage. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, to put it in, because you've had, let's say, you know, five, six weeks of training on this horse. And so you've started this. Now then to apply that like practically, you know, if you're starting your circling, well, there you go. You just spiral back out onto your circle and you begin your circling. Or let's say you're going to do a session of confused loping and you want to now incorporate the correct lead when you, when you turn. So let's say you're loping across the arena down the diagonal and you're coming up to the corner and the horse is on the right lead, but he's leaning right. So you need to turn him left. Well, you break him down to the jog and then lope a small circle there in that corner. You know, not small, you know, I, for a point of reference, if it's a raining pin and you've got your big fast circle and your small slow, it's kind of a, a sweet spot in between the two, like a medium in between the two. So this isn't some tight circle that we're not, you know, running around a barrel here. Um, but lope a decent sized circle there and, or not lope the circle. You jog that circle and ask Q for that lead departure. Let the horse find it on that circle. And then you complete the circle and head off in the new direction. Now you can incorporate it into even a basic exercise like that and start creating good habits, good mental patterns for that horse. You don't need to just say, all right, we're doing lead departures. Time to work on the perfect frame as we take off. Like, no, you can still keep this, uh, like in a stage of infancy and use it to better other basic exercises as you get this horse more broke. Definitely. I think that's the best insight as far as. Um, when we learned this approach as opposed to what we knew previously is that you're at an early stage of the horse's training. You don't have a lot of body control. Let's keep things real simple and build their confidence at this point and keep them relaxed about this. And then as we progress in the program and we're at the same time building our amount of body control in other areas, the leads and departures will become easier and easier and easier and we'll just continue our refinement process on down the line. Let's get into the subject of backing circles and backing angles. 
these are kind of a series of exercises and just ways to use your backing under saddle that we feel get a lot of control and, and actually help your horse back with a little bit more cadence, some fluidity and confidence and straightness. I think that's the overall goal. And um, the reason why we t wanted to touch on this is because, um, and this is actually, this happened to a friend of ours who kind of subscribes to a lot of the types of theories and ways of training that we do. And he was at a reigning show recently, and uh, he was working on some of this stuff in the warm-up pen, uh, you know, just kind of backing some circles, doing this and that. And another trainer came up to him and, and told him, hey, I like what you're doing with your horse. Obviously, you've got, because he was schooling his two-year-old, he said, yeah, that horse looks really broke, but just be careful that you're not schooling too much on things you won't actually need in the show pen, you know, that that can get you into trouble down the line. And we wanted to highlight this because we're, we're kind of of a different mindset when it comes to things like this. And especially the way we introduce it, we see a lot of value as even in two-year-olds doing these kinds of things with them. Uh, whereas other people might shy away from it or not see the point or not see how it would help them in a show horse type situation. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a very underrated thing, especially in the, like the performance horse side of it. I think it's very underrated. The, the amount of attention put on the backup. Uh, I think it, you know, you look at, um, other areas like say, you know, just your average, you know, weekend trail riding group or something, you know, they always love to see how the horse backs up. Like, that's always a big thing. And, oh, help me get this back up better. And, you know, what are you doing here or there? So it's it's like a, a complete opposite flip-flop. You would think that the more specialized, like, performance horse type thing, like the backup would be a huge part of it. But it's really not. Um, and it was just interesting him talking to me about that. He's like, yeah, you don't want to be teaching your horse anything. You don't want him to know. And I don't know. That logic has never made sense to me. Um, because, you know, what the exercise he was doing with his backup, he's establishing just as much control of the horse going backwards as he has going forwards. And to me, I would think you would want your horse to know that, that going backwards and going forwards, you have the ultimate level of control mm -hmm. because then you as the rider then have confidence and you can go out there and, you know, do whatever you can give that horse, whatever job, and you can have confidence that, in whatever situation you're in or whatever maneuver, you're going to be able to complete it, yeah. you know? And I think that especially uh, in the backup, we see it a lot of the time. A lot of people, they go to the shoulder to straighten up a backup. You know, whenever, let's say they're backing the horse up and the and everything has fallen over to the right. Um, so what do they do? Then they move, they swing the shoulder around to the right and try and back the horse up again and swing the shoulder around, swing the shoulder around. And they like... They'll do like a 90 degree pivot and then back the horse up again. And then everything, it's usually the hip is leading it, obviously, but everything falls to the right. So then they try to catch it up and over-exaggerate by swinging the shoulder to the right. And they'll back in like squares and they just stay in the squares. And as a general rule with most of that, I would say I'm, we're probably the complete opposite. Um, not all the time, because there are times where when the horse is backing up, their shoulder is what's leading and what's falling out of place. And mm -hmm. so you need to move that back into place. But I would say, oh, probably 70% of the time, the hip is the culprit. And the shoulder leaving the backup or, you know, leaving the straight line is just a byproduct of the hip being out of place. Yeah. And if you fix the hip, 
you fix the shoulder and you fix the backup. Yeah. It's funny how when we're going forward, we spend so much time, you know, breaking the horse's body parts loose, getting them softened up through the body, softened up through the rib cage, get him to stop leaning, get him to stop, you know, because when you're riding a green or an untrained horse around, I think everybody has had this experience of, of an unbroke horse that carries itself in kind of a cockeyed fashion. Like it's got its shoulder and ribs pitched a certain way and it's just kind of off kilter. It's really not soft. It's really not balanced. And we spend a lot of time going forward, getting that stuff ground out of them. But it's funny how you can have them so good going forward, but then when you back up, those same problems happen in reverse as well. The horse is sagging its rib cage one way, its its hip is not engaged, it's really not tracking backward, uh, it's leaning this way and that. Like Horses can be stiff and do those same types of things in the backup as going forward. Exactly. Obviously, you can't work on it in as many ways, but when we talk about backing circles and angles... We're doing things to soften the horse up and just get him more movable and get more body control in the backup itself, which is often, as you put it, very overlooked, I think. Um, and we see this as very valuable. Like we want to have a greater degree of control in the backup, just like going forward. Well, and it's not so, it's not even if you look at it, you know, from a training perspective, the most value you get out of it isn't even in an improved backup. You get more so out of the mental side of it than you even do the actual physical side of the back. Like on the ground, if we're talking respect on the ground, there's nothing better to do than back your horse up to have a respectful horse on the ground. Like it is the absolute epitome of respect. Like anything to do with respect, it's backing up. It's like humbling. It's, it's submissive. It's, I'm not testing you. I'm out of your space. What do you want me to do? You know, that's backing up on the ground and it's, pretty much the same thing under saddle as well. Like it's very, it, it's very humbling and it breaks down a lot of mental resistance in the horse that you'll, that will, you'll see the benefits of that in other areas of your training, not just the backup. So I'd say you get more out of it on the mental side than you actually do the physical side. But, you know, going back to, you know, a lot of, of programs that we got exposed to, there was always a big emphasis on follow the nose, you know, everything you do when you're loping your circles or you're jogging around, your neck graining, everything's follow the nose, follow the nose, follow the nose. Well, it was always funny that then when we go backwards, well, why isn't it follow the tail? Because that's what's leading. That's what's steering my car is yeah. the hindquarters. We talked about that before. It's like if if we're always if we're always correcting our backup at the shoulder, it's like we're treating the horse's body as if we're backing a giant tractor trailer like in order to get the rear end to move one way or the other we have to steer the wheels up front right and that's like we're we're of the mindset and again this is just our opinion a lot of people are very successful and have the totally opposite mentality Um, but we find it valuable to get the horse's hindquarters engaged and this is where our latest video when we finally get it out of production and get it uploaded we we cover this as well because it 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 shows like you can tell when a horse has really got their rear end engaged versus they're just kind of lazily tracking backward and everything happens up front as far as steering and straightness. So just getting into the actual exercises here, backing circles and angles. So um, why, why don't you take us through that a little bit? You you can articulate it a little bit better than I can. Well, I as far as that, but we'll give it a go here. Yeah, where where we find a starting point, let's say. Yeah. Well, I'd say, so your, your first... Um, your most basic 
way to start this backing circles. Again, going back to something we always harp on all the time, hindquarter control, I would use yielding their hindquarters as a way to create your, your momentum in a way to start this exercise. Because going from straight to now having this horse's head bent, that's a big change. And it's a whole new ele- element, and it's like a new deal for the horse. So you're going to run into resistance. So to start it off, I would bend the horse's head around, let's say, to the left, just for sake of, of articulating it here. Let's say to the left, all the way all the way around to your toe. Pull the rein up to your hip. And you're going to use your, your left leg and yield the horse's hindquarters off your left leg. Okay, so once the horse is stepping around with cadence and his feet are freed up, then you're going to let a little bit of that bend go. Not not all the way back to the point of his shoulder, but kind of a happy medium in between your toe and the point of his shoulder. Enough bend that he can't back straight, but not so much bend that he's going to shut his feet down. If you have too much bend early on, he's just going to shut everything down. And so we have the horse's head bent to the left, but we're actually going to be backing a right circle, meaning his hip will be leading and will be backing a right circle. So... Bear with me here as I try to paint this out. So we're yielding the horse's hindquarters off of our left leg. We let a little bit of the bend go with our left rein, and then we draw with our right rein down towards back, down and back, like almost towards our knee of our right leg. And we're going to take the momentum we created from that yield and then draw it backwards into a backup. And so we want him to step back, but keep that momentum and like catch it and use it to funnel him into a couple steps in a right circle with his head bent to the left, basically is what what we're doing. And then as soon as he finds that, then we turn loose. Now, in doing that, your legs in this picture your right leg, so in this case, since the horse's head is bent to the left, we'll call your right leg the outside leg. So that leg is like your gas pedal uh, of the deal. And it also controls the amount of the tightness of your or straightness in your circle. Your, your left rein and your right leg are almost like your steering wheel. So the more I bend the horse's head and the more right leg I use, the tighter my circle is going to be. The less right leg I use and the less bend I have, the straighter it's, it's going to be backwards. Okay. So, but that right leg, that's also my gas pedal. So if the horse is being lazy with their feet, I'm going to use my right leg, not, not my left, my right leg to get this horse backing up. The left leg, only if I have to let the bend go to, cause the horse is just completely stuck. Otherwise, I really don't use any left leg here in this situation. Cause if you try to have a horse in that big of a bind and you're kicking on him with both your legs, trying to back up, all you end up doing is getting into a fight and then possibly teaching the horse to rear up or something like that. It, right. It's unless you're yielding the horse's hindquarters or you have to take his head completely straight. Cause it's completely lost the backup. But even in that case, I would probably just yield him again and try and create more momentum and only abandon what I'm doing and just get him straight and back him up as a way to just find an out if the horse is completely lost. But in that case, I probably haven't set him up and done my homework beforehand, so I probably shouldn't be working on this anyways. Right. But going back to the exercise, so once the horse takes a couple steps, you know, like one or two steps, 
turn loose, let him sit there, and then go back, yield his hindquarters, and I would work on this just at the very end of my session. It's a great way to cap off the session to teach him this exercise. Um, I wouldn't do it, especially if you're going to, like, turn your horse around. Um, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do this first and then go turn your horse around, because he's going to have, you know, being sucked back too much on his brain, and you're going to have to fight that in your spins. If you're going to work on your spins, do that beforehand, so that's why it's always nice to work on the backup at the end of your session, because this is new, and whatever he learns new, that's going to be the first thing on his mind when you go to do something else. So you leave it after your spins. But when you go back to it again, go into your yield, bend his horse's head around to the left, yield him until you feel like his feet are loosened up, and then pick up, draw with both your reins, using that outside rein, that right rein, down towards your right knee, and draw him back into that backup. And you use that right leg if you need a little bit more energy in his feet. And as soon as he finds a couple steps, turn loose. And you just slowly add couple more steps, couple more steps, couple more steps until eventually you can back him in a complete circle. And then from there, then you can start worrying. And right now I'm not worried about how soft he is in the face. That's the least of my worries. It's establish a circle and get him moving, like get him unstuck and get him back in the circle. Once I've established that circle, well, now I can stay and he can back around that circle freely. There's no, no difficulty and he's not constantly trying to stop. Once I've established that, now I can actually start worrying about him staying soft in that circle. So then I'll stay in that circle a little bit longer, and I and I will use my outside leg, my right leg, and maybe I'll say this with a word of caution, but maybe I'll cheat and use a little bit of my left leg, my inside leg as well, when I get to the point where I can work on softening, because now I've got the horse to understand the exercise and I'm not going to worry about the horse getting stuck and rearing up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Now I can start staying in there and asking him to soften up and be soft for a couple strides and then turn loose. Like you have to go back now. We've changed the element by asking for softness. So now I'm going to go back to just a couple steps, soft and turn loose. And then a couple steps, stay soft, turn loose. And from, and just kind of slowly snowball from there. You just add a few more steps and get pickier about him staying soft for those few steps and then turn loose. And that's pretty much the summation of the first, the first introduction to the backing circles. It's the most basic way. And then we have two other versions to add to that, but I think we'll probably have to pick that up in the next podcast. Yeah. I think we can talk, we can pick up right where we left off with, uh, the end of backing circles, we can talk a little bit more about backing angles and other things you can carry that into. I know just from experience, being a little bit less experienced than you in this area, um, I'm glad you are you described that so well. I know just from from learning this and also you showing me various things, if you're green with it, it's a very good way. Like when you start doing this exercise, you very quickly develop a feel for where your horse is at as far as his level of softness. You learn very quickly how you need to gauge your hands and your legs in order to get the correct response and not have the horse bound up too much versus not have any bend at all and, and not even be doing the exercise. I think it, it helps develop your feel and timing as a rider. And it really, like you said, it, it starts creating good mental habits. We talk about mental softness in a horse. This is another exercise where that is, that's absolutely going to be the case here is, is you're just picking up and shaping and handling that horse going backward in various ways. You're starting that process and it's just another 
area, another level of brokenness that we feel like there's value in developing. Thank you guys for all your support on the Project Tours podcast and the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. If you haven't already, please subscribe and message us with suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover on the show. It makes a big difference in the quality of content we're able to create for you. Thank you for listening and being a part of this growing community.